This episode is sponsored by My Local CFO, helping you build stronger growth by connecting your financial picture to your operational goals. Follow them on Facebook and LinkedIn at My Local CFO or visit their website at www.mylocalcfo.com. More Than I Do podcast with Derek and Sherelle. We're super excited for you to tune in for another episode of More Than I Do. Why? Because we have something to say. We've been married and in business for, whoa, 10 years now. This year makes 10 years. This year in September will be 10 years in business. Mm -hmm. This month, April, is 17 years married. Oh my gosh. Way to rock that out. Way to rock that out. I'm super excited about that. You know, we started More Than I Do podcast because we're married and in business, and no one's really talking about that. And since we've been in business more, uh, almost over half of our marriage, mm-hmm. wow, yeah. we figured that, hey, there's been some bumps, some bruises, some good times, some highs, some lows, some valleys, some mountains, mm-hmm. some prayers. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> And, yes. some, and some God stepping in moments. Yes, but we want to share that with with others just so they'll know they're not in this alone. Right. You're not alone. You are not alone. So with that being said, this is season two. And we've been talking about be going back to the basics. Mm-hmm. You know, with COVID happening last year and trying to figure out, oh, my gosh, what's happening. People staying home all day that no, never were staying home all day. And you got to mm-hmm. get used to that. And then the four walls start closing in on you. We figured with marriage and with business, we needed to really look this year at going back to the basics. So that's exactly what we've been talking about. And today is no different. No, we we have a wonderful speaker today. We do. You know, the truth is, how do you stay or become productive together? Mm -hmm. So that's what we're talking about today. How to be more productive together. That's a hard thing. And then, you know, we just talked about COVID and being home where before people were going out and everybody wasn't home. I don't know about you, just with the dishes alone, by the time I wash dishes, it's time to wash dishes again. I don't even want to eat. You know, how, how do we stay, how do we become more productive together? Yeah. And, you know, that's something we had to work about together as well, 100%. because, you know, as you mentioned, all the obstacles with the pandemic and things like that, it's tough enough to stay productive by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Now yeah. you're trying to stay productive with your spouse. With your spouse. So what we have today is the pioneer of the organization industry. Mm-hmm. Like before organizing was even a thing and people was a buzzword and people knew about it. Our guest today mm-hmm. was doing it, That's which right. I'm super excited. So let me just tell you about it. Let me just tell you. <laughs> now I'm going to I'm going to just tell you. A daughter of the farmlands by birth, a wife by commitment, a mother by adoption, a stepmother by marriage, a grandmother by blessing, a Christian by grace an organizing consultant by persistence, an author by perseverance, and a productivity expert by trial and error. You know, you're talking about Miss Barbara Hempwell, 
A.K. Hip Hill, A.K.A. Paper Tiger Lady, because of her best-selling book, Taming the Paper Tiger. is She's also the founder of Productive Environment Institute, which has offices in Raleigh and Carolina Beach, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. She's also a team, she also has a team of certified productive environmental specialists, environment specialists who work virtually worldwide. Well, let me just tell you while we have her here with us that she's been featured on Good Morning America, the Today Show, the CNN Nightly News. She's also been showcased in publications including US Today, New York Times, Fast Company Readers Digest, Real, Real Simple and Guide Posts. More importantly, she's got some books that include Organizing Paper at Home, What to Keep and How to Find the Rest. I need that one. I definitely need that one. Clutter, More Life, which revealed that physical and digital clutter is symptoms of emotional and spiritual clutter. All I gotta say is, Miss Barbara, we're super excited to have you more than I do podcast guests. Welcome, Miss Barbara Hemphill. How you doing? I'm great. And thank you, Derek and Sherelle. I love being here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, uh, I just want to know, because we talked about you being the pioneer of the organizing industry. Can you just tell us a little bit? Let's go back just a little bit before we go forward Mm -hmm. and just tell us a little bit about how did that come to be? Yeah. Well, we have to go back a long ways because it was (laughs) actually 43 years ago. Uh, my first husband and I moved from India where we had adopted three orphan children, one with special needs, and we moved to New York City. He worked for a nonprofit and didn't make enough money to pay bills for living expenses. And so I needed to bring in money, but I wanted my children to be my top priority. So I decided the best way to do that would be to find a problem in the world that I could solve that people would pay me for. So I sat on the playground with my children and I would listen to what people were talking about. And I would hear people talk about, about clutter, about this organization, about having trouble getting places on time, about fighting with their children about their clutter rooms or not filing their income taxes because they couldn't find the receipts. And I thought they didn't have my mother now. And the reason I say that is because I am not a naturally organized person. I've been diagnosed with ADHD. I'm a musician by training. I love to start things. I don't like to finish them. I like the big picture and I don't like the details. So I can be disorganized with the best of them, but I practice what I preach. And the reason what we teach is so powerful is because it was created for me. So I ran a $7 ad, which was a big deal because I used to walk 20 blocks because I didn't have 50 cents for the bus. And the ad said, disorganized. I organized closets, files, kitchens, you name it, call Barbara Hemphill. And uh, my first three calls were crank calls from guys trying to pick me up. (laughs) And, And the fourth one was from a widow, 55 years old, whose husband was an attorney. He had died very suddenly and he left piles of paper everywhere. And she had no idea what was going on. And they didn't have any children. So in many ways, I did what a daughter probably would have done. She did not know that she was my first client. And I didn't tell her. But I lived in horror that somebody would ask me what made me think I was worth $10 an hour because that's what I charged at that point. And to promote the speech, I would go to church groups and PTAs and garden clubs. And I didn't even have a business card in the beginning. 
Um, and I was in New York for uh, almost a year. My husband got transferred to Washington, D.C., and I went to the Washingtonian magazine. I, I called them and I said, I've just moved here from New York and I have a service that I think would be of interest to your readers. And fortunately, nobody said, how long have you been in business or how many clients have you had? <laughs> <laughs> and they did a story that said, um, for $10 an hour, you get Barbara Hemphill to come to your house and organize your file cabinet. Mm. And that kind of that kind of started the ball rolling. And I very quickly learned that paper was the number one challenge. And the things that people were always asking me was, how long do you keep? And in those days, it was bank statements because you got those big, thick envelopes yeah. with the canceled checks. Yeah. And everybody kept them for decades, right? Because they had numbers on them. It's like, yeah. okay, if they have numbers on them, the IRS must want them. And so they would ask me how long to keep them. I didn't have a clue, but I thought, well, I'll go to the library. There'll surely be a book on it. Well, I went to the library and there, and it was also like insurance policies and receipts. How long do you keep those things? And, and there wasn't one. And I thought that's amazing because it doesn't make any difference if you earn $18,000 a year or $800,000 a year, you still need to know the answer to that question. So I wrote the book, Taming the Paper Tiger, which addressed every single piece of paper that came into the household. I mean, and what to put in the safe deposit box and what kinds of records. And I didn't tell people that book is now called organizing paper at home. So that's mm -hmm. the same book. I didn't tell people what to do because if you ask five attorneys and three accountants, you'll get at least five different answers. <laughs> so what I did was I asked the questions because you know this, that if you have a system and you're well organized and you yeah. get audited, yeah. even if you can't pull up everything, if you can show them that you had a system and you were responsible. My favorite story is in the early mid 90s, I worked with a company to develop software to help organize, still organizing paper. And I went out and spent four days in a financial services company converting their entire office, all their papers, hundreds oh of files to what we call a finding system. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we went home and the next week the auditors came and the executive or the uh, owner called me and he said, well, the auditors were here. He said, usually they're here three to four days. Mm -hmm. He said they were here a day and a half and they said, we've got everything we need. And they left. Wow. wow. Yeah. And it does when you're when you appear organized and you don't have as many questions than of someone that is not organized at all. You're you just uh, automatically assume they have no idea what's happening, where That's things are, and you're gonna dig even deeper and ask questions that maybe you wouldn't ask of an organized. That is, that is so, so true, which is the reason I say to people, and the other thing that I say to people is getting things in order earlier younger is very important because yeah. the older you get, the harder it is to put those systems in place. And I use myself as an example. My husband and I have been married 35 years. He's a retired army colonel. So I assumed he was organized. Well, wrong. Colonels have <laughs> private. So, you know, it's That's like, right. mm -hmm. so he would give me things to file. He'd say, file this, file this. And I would file it. Well, in the beginning, I always remembered it. So when he'd come back a week or a year later and say, you know, I gave you such and such. Oh yeah, I remember that. And I'd go get it. Yeah. Now he'll come to me and he'll say, I gave you such and such. And I will have no recollection. And I'll say, well, 
I don't remember it, but if you gave it to me, I know where to find it. And I'll go and sure enough, it'll be there. And I'll just be a shock to myself because it's like, <laughs> I didn't even remember that I filed it because, and that's the power of systems. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I want to go back real quick as we move forward. And that's on the thing that you talked about. You sat in a park and listened to problems and then found a solution to the problems. And I think so often that we don't realize that it doesn't matter what business you're in, you're in the business of solving a problem. You have Absolutely. a solution to a problem and it's listening and hearing what that is. Then secondly, what I heard and you let me know um, is that you didn't wait for someone to come to you or ask you, you went out to find the clients. You found inventive ways with the Washington Post, I believe it was, in, in mm -hmm. different places to make sure to say, hey, I'm here, you know, uh, let's go. And then when you got that client, you were the expert. So they didn't even know you. it was the first client because you stood in what you knew and you figured it out along the way. Well, I remember when I walked into that woman's house and saw that stuff, I mean, like my palms were sweaty and my heart's pounding and I'm thinking, what in the world have I done? And then I just thought, okay, wait a minute. You know, I don't have to know everything. And so one of the questions that we use and teach our clients all the time is, okay, what's the next action? Mm. I don't have to know everything. I'm So I'm going to focus on what I do know. And so it's kind of like peeling the layers of an onion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. like, okay, I, I can do that and I can do that. And you just keep doing that. And then when you got to something you didn't know, you asked somebody. I mean, mm -hmm. if I if I found some, I say, okay, I need to talk to the accountant about this and the stockbroker about this and the insurance agent about this. So our role always is not to not to be the expert, mm -hmm. but to be the facilitator between the client because organizing is an art. It doesn't have a right or wrong way. It's like everybody does it differently. And organizing in and of itself has no value. It's a skill to help you accomplish your why. And if you if your why is big enough, we can always figure out a way to get there. Always. Yeah. Wow. wow. Now, I, I have a question going back to that Washington Post article. Now, after they wrote that article, did you find that you got more personal clients or actually more corporation clients? I didn't get any clients. <laughs> so here's something I've learned that's very fascinating. Okay. Um, the more publicity you get in many ways, the harder it is to get clients mm. because people think you are a celebrity. Mm. So I learned that because my ex-sister-in-law was a stained glass window artist in Washington, D.C., and she got a two-page spread in the paper. I mean, it's like to die for, right? For an artist to get a two-page spread. Mm -hmm. Well, the man who ultimately became her husband saw that article. And he wanted to call her. But he's think, he said, oh, you know, she would be so busy and she'd just be bombarded and all of that. And, and she didn't get any calls from it. And the same thing when I was on the Today Show. Wow. Now, back then, now, if I were going to be on the Today Show, I would because of social media, there would be ways I could follow it up. But 20 years ago, you didn't have that as an option. And so it gave you credibility. And, and any publicity is good publicity. I don't care what it is. In fact, the Washingtonian magazine, which is the creme de la creme magazine in Washington, D.C., one time I got a call. I had I'd moved from residential organizing to business organizing. Okay. okay. And I got a call from a woman saying she wanted me to come and organize her home. 
And I said, well, I really don't do residential anymore, but I have a colleague that's very good and I'll write, oh no, I've heard about you. You're just wonderful. I really want you. So to be honest, I jacked my price up significantly from what it was in the past, figuring that that would turn her away, but it didn't. So I was like, oh, okay, well now I have to go. So I went and she was so non-receptive. It was like everything I said was that wouldn't work or whatever else. And I was like, wow, this is just really crazy. And I wasn't even going to take her on as a client. And, and I offered her a proposal. So this was like a needs assessment, right? And so then I submitted the proposal on, based on the needs assessment. And I made the proposal really expensive because I really, really didn't want to do it. Three or four months later, an article came out in the Washingtonian magazine written by her husband. Yeah who wrote the article as though he had interviewed me, even though I never met the man. And it was a really? setup. It was a setup. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And so she was willing to pay the money so he could get the article. That's right. And, and he made the comment, she made me feel like, or uh, she, yeah, she made me feel like it was my mother. Well, first of all, nobody makes you feel anything. So that's, that's a, that's a hint right there. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it was really, well, it made my clients who loved me mad. And so they wrote letters to the editor. But, <laughs> never but here's, I mean, of course I was devastated, yeah. yeah. but here's the good news. I can say to you now, I was featured in the Washingtonian and I don't have to tell you why. That's it. That's it. I love it. I love it. That's that. No, no, uh, bad, no press is bad press. We can, you can spin it how you need to spin it, but that, oh my gosh, that's craziness. You know, people get stories of however they can get them. Now I do have a question for you. You've been married for over 30 years, which is amazing. That's in itself. Uh, and I know to our viewers, I'll say, you can tell why we have her on. She is the expert in this area. Yes. What's the biggest challenge for couples when it comes to organization? Well, God has a sense of humor. And he usually puts couples together who have opposite ideas about what organized means. <laughs> yes. I Don't can, be looking at me. I, I can agree with that. <laughs> 110%. Yes. I think it's true for most couples. And, mm -hmm. I, you know, I do. And it's good for us. I mean, you know, I read a, I read a book one time I loved called Sacred Marriage which said God created marriage in order to show us how much God loves us because oh. he love we love each other the way God loves us. Yes. And that was, I think that's really, you know, that's really true. Mm -hmm. So first of all, you, when I was first married, I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, this is going to be the death of my marriage. I mean, the death <laughs> of my business because people are going to say, well, you can't even organize your husband. And I thought, wait a minute, he's not my client. He doesn't want to be organized. And so one of the things I say all the time is I'm not in the business of convincing anybody to be organized. I'm mm -hmm. looking for people who say, where have you been all of my life? Mm -hmm. So what that means is compromise. So one of the things that we have done in our house, if you come to our house, it will be very clear whose part of the house is whose. Okay. <laughs> yes. And, mm -hmm. and it's like, is it the way I would like it to be? It's not. But my marriage is more important to me than an uncluttered house. Mm. Mm -hmm. wow. wow. How do you take that then from there into business? If you're in business with your spouse in the office? Well, I think it, it depends upon 
keeping in mind that the only reason for organizing is to get to a particular end. Mm -hmm. So if your spouse's disorganization is preventing you from doing your work, is hurting the business. So mm -hmm. in when I work in companies, I always say, if, if somebody else is disorganized, you have to give them examples of why that's a problem, how this is hurting us, how this is taking away from customer service or how it's making us take longer to do something or how it's costing us to do something. And then we're both in business for the same purpose. Mm -hmm. So if we can demonstrate that this disorganization is hurting our business, then obviously we're going to make a change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. 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 So if a couple is just overwhelmed, mm -hmm. to just totally overwhelmed, where do they start? Well, as it says in Proverbs, without a vision, the people perish. Mm -hmm. So you start with a vision. Uh, we have a five-step process that we use with all of our clients. And step one is state your vision. So it's like, if this, if you're able to solve this problem, whatever it is, I mean, the problem could be the clutter on the kitchen counter. I mean, mm -hmm. it could be something that simple, or it could be, we're not profitable, mm -hmm. you know, and our vision is to increase profitability, mm -hmm. whatever that vision is. And that has to be so clear. It's got to be something that you, what would you be able to do that you can't do now? How would you feel that you don't need? How can you measure it? And so that's one of the reasons we have a variety of scorecards that we use mm -hmm. because you can't change what you don't measure. So you can measure productivity. Mm -hmm. So you can go to our productiveenvironmentscore.com. You can get your productivity score and then you know where you are. And I do my score every January mm -hmm. because what happens is we get better and worse, right? I mean, you 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 improve one area, and then it's like, oh, but now I'm now I'm not doing so well in this area, or there's something new. And those those steps, it starts with state your vision. Then the second one is, and this is a conversation as a couple you can have. In fact, I had one client say to me, "We use this five step process to plan our family vacation." Mm -hmm. So they sat down, state your vision. The second one is identify your obstacles. Okay, what, what's the problem? And then you each have problems. So you each write down what your obstacles are, right? Mm -hmm. And then the third one is commit your resources. Like how much time are you willing to invest to solve it? How much money? What software do you have? What people do you know? What space do you have? What, what music do you have? You know, whatever. I mean, there's, there's resources to solve it. And then you get to step four, which is, as my daddy on the farm used to say, where the rubber meets the road which is design and execute your plan. So in order to reach this vision, overcoming these obstacles with these resources, here's the plan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so you sit down. Then the fifth step is the most important one and the where most of us fail. And that is sustain your success. Because no plan works. I mean, what plan did you ever get that worked right the first time? Right. Yeah. I mean, and then things like COVID come along and then it's like, you know, really... So sustain your success means if things are falling apart, here's the cool thing about those five steps. Every single thing that you or your spouse think about that problem is one of those five steps. Mm -hmm. It either means there's something new in the vision that you hadn't thought about before, or maybe there was something you had in the vision that you've decided isn't really a priority because you tried some things. Yeah. It's a new obstacle 
uh, or maybe it's a new resource or maybe it's the loss of a resource. Mm -hmm. But going forward, then that's a framework, a very simple framework. So every time something feels disorganized, you can say, okay, are we okay on the vision? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, it feels disorganized. So that means there's some, there's some obstacle. So yeah. let's get that out on the, get that out on the table. Today, mm-hmm. I had a client where it was a HR department and he hired me for two of his, his employees and it's not working very well because the employees are, are not engaged, you know, and when, when he hired us, he said they were excited. And I said, you you said to me they were excited, but that hasn't been our experience. And people don't learn and change if they're not excited about it. So that was an obstacle, which we then had to brainstorm and figure out a way to get around. And we have, but that happens. And then sometimes you get a new resource that you can apply to jump your vision even faster than you thought you would before. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That That's great stuff. I Two things came out of that for me just then. One, that's how we attack budgets yeah. within organizations and then reforecast to make sure you stand on picture. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is I'm I'm a person that she has to get me excited about change because I don't I don't do well with change. <laughs> I'll tell you a really quick one today, Barbara. We were uh, we've got a new flat screen. He wanted to put it where the old TV was, uh, and I said no. It goes. I want to put it over the fireplace because it just feng shui wise. Yeah, yeah. The way we've got things. If I turn on the fireplace, I'm gonna burn up my leather on the side of the couch. You know, He's all, and he was like, no, 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 no. We've got to put it over here because we have one of those big. Don't laugh at us. Big 52-inch floor model that's 20 years old. We've had it for 20 years. We've been married almost 17. I brought it from Georgia when I came. Now, it was the first HDMI TV. It was like the guy was like, no, you should buy this because HDMI is coming out. It's like a laugh now. And so we're like, okay, we're getting rid of this, and we're going to go to this flat screen, right? We're waiting for the TV to go out. It never would go out. So we're like, you know what? We're just going to do this. And so the man came today, he put it up over the fireplace and everybody that came, he had a cousin that, that came for some business. He said fireplace. The guy that actually came to, to hook everything up said fireplace. So Derek was like, okay, fireplace will go. <laughs> I walked in after I finished a call with you guys, you know, we were on a meeting earlier together and I walked in and he's sitting there like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Well, you should just trust her, Derek. What can I say? You know, I I, I will learn one day, Barbara, to trust. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's one of the reasons why we have a housekeeper. And I and I told him uh, when we got her, he was like, I don't want anybody in my house. I don't want a stranger and all of my stuff. And I was like, look, dude, this is for you. It's not for me. <laughs> this is this housekeeper is for you. That's that's the same. We have the same thing. And I said, because your clutter and all of that would just drive me. I would be so mad if I cleaned it up and then you screwed it up. So yes. I said, this, this is a non-negotiable. We're saving marriages here. Yeah. We're saving marriages. Right. So let me, let me ask you this, because this has been so insightful and I really enjoyed this. Now, getting organized is one thing. And I know you have a uh, saying about getting organized. It kind of is the foundation of that. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to say, I want you to say it, number one, because I like to hear it when you say it, but number two, to make sure I don't mess it up. <laughs> well, these are the four words that my businesses, and I have two of them, have been built on. Clutter is postponed decisions. Mm. 
I learned that initially from clothes closets. A clothes closet fills up because you haven't decided whether you're going to lose the 10 pounds to get into that favorite pair of pants again. Mm -hmm. And the exercise equipment that you know you need to use, but you haven't had it out for six months. And then there's the candlesticks from Aunt Sally. You love Aunt Sally. The candlesticks are not really your style. But if she came for Thanksgiving dinner and they were on the table, she'd be so happy. And then the same thing's true of paper. You know, there, you, you've got a pile of paper on the desk and you say, okay, today's the day I'm going to clean them up. And you pick up the first piece of paper, not today, and the second, and the third. And before you know it, the pile was on this side, is on this side, and it's time to go to a meeting. Yeah. Then you look at email. Open, close, open, close, open, close. When most people go to work, open their email first, spend 45 minutes on it, and accomplish nothing, except they feel discouraged that they haven't done any clutters, postponed decisions. Yeah. And the same thing's true in my book, Less Clutter, More Life. The premise is that physical and digital clutter is a symptom of emotional and spiritual clutter. Mm. It is the emotion that makes it difficult to make those decisions. And it's usually fear. It's fear of making a mistake, fear of wanting it back, fear of offending something. Uh, here's a big one. Fear of not being responsible. You know, if somebody gives you something or somebody, something's expensive or, you know, I'll never forget in, in residential organizing, I had a client whose two daughters were environmentalists in the early stage and she had a mink coat and she said, do you want my mink coat? My daughters won't let me wear it. And I said, the minks are already dead. Give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> or I was doing a, we do what we call productivity days or productivity parties, which we do in companies where we turn them into a van and we have food and we have recycling bins and shredding bins and trash to treasure bins. And in the old days, we didn't have this recycling and the shredding, and, but we'd have these bins and people say, oh, we're throwing away so many trees. And I'd say, wait a minute. The trees are already gone. Keeping yeah. them in their filing cabinet is not saving the trees. <laughs> right. And it's not planting anymore either. <laughs> wow. So how do we maintain it? Okay. We get it organized. How do we maintain it? Well, first of all, it's systems. And, and we use the acronym of saving you space, time, energy, and money. Mm. Every time there's something you have to do repeatedly, file income taxes, for example, right? I mean, everybody at tax time, it's like they're tearing their hair out. Mm -hmm. Well, when you're in the process of doing that is the time to figure out why was this so difficult? What could I have done during the last 12 months so that this wasn't so terrible? And there's lots of things that you can do. Every time there's something you need to do repeatedly, so I'll give you another example. I grew up on a farm and we weren't allowed to work on Sunday except milk the cows and stuff like that. But my mother used to have me write thank you notes on Sunday. That was a habit. Sunday afternoon, you wrote thank you notes. Well, I learned that writing thank you notes is very powerful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that became a habit of mine. So every time I think of somebody I want to send a card to or a thank you note or something like that, I have a date file and the date file, you know, is by day. And so I look at what the next Sunday is. I drop the reminder or the card down in on that Sunday. And every Sunday I sit down and I write those notes and whatever I don't get done that Sunday, I put in the next Sunday. Mm -hmm. I have been doing that for 60 years. Wow. 
and it's a habit and it's it's easy. You know, they say 30 days makes a habit, 90 days makes a lifestyle. And writing cards on Sunday is, you know, is a, is a lifestyle. So it's that so it's it's both systems and habits, right? So the system is I have the folders. We use something there's a product that we have called Swift file, which is like the old fashioned tickler file with the one through 31 days and the 12 yeah. months of the year. Mm -hmm. Everybody used to have one of those. My mother was the administrative assistant in a bank in a small town bank. And they, they got used to get lots of awards. And part of how they did it was the receptionist who sat at the front had one of those tickler files and whatever report was due, it was put in there. So then the person who was do the report would respond to the receptionist. And if she didn't, the receptionist would know and go to get the report. I mean, that was the system they wow. had in place. So anyway, that, that there's something called the Swift file that we have that was developed by an Amish woman in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And they hired me to come up and be a, a spokesperson to do some commercials. Well, I fell in love with the product and I bought it. So mm -hmm. we, we actually sell it now because it's, mm -hmm. I never, nothing important ever falls through the cracks because if there's something I want to make sure I get done, it goes in there and then I know what to do with it. So it's systems, having a way to do it and, and having it be something you will do mm -hmm. and then, and then just making it a habit. Wow. Wow. That's power. That's, that's some powerful stuff. You know, you, you mentioned something and you mentioned all the fears of why we keep things. I have the I know I have the fear of maybe needing something again later, but more like more than likely, I'm never going to need it again. So here's two questions you can ask that can literally change your life. The first one is, does this help me accomplish my work? or enjoy my life? Mm -hmm. If the answer is no, but you're still, I'm not sure. Then the second question is, what's the worst possible thing that would happen if I didn't have this? Mm -hmm. And so you play that out and you say, okay, if I deleted it or threw it away or gave it away and I wanted it back, I would have to. And, and a great example of that would be canceled checks, right? I mean, people would be panicked about that. And I'd say, okay, the worst thing that would happen is you'd have to go to the bank and get a copy and you'd have to pay for it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, two people, you could ask two people and one person would say, I'm not paying a penny to the bank. So they're going to keep it. Mm -hmm. And the other person would say, I'll pay the money for it. So the thing of it is, it's what I call the cost factor. You can keep everything you want if you're willing to pay the price. And the price is time space, money, and energy. So my job, our job, because I have a whole team of consultants, it's not me that does it, it's the consultants that I do it. Our job is not to say, oh, Derek, you don't need this. Our job is to say, okay, Derek, if you choose to keep it, this is the price you're going to pay. And then the other thing is Hemphill's pr principle. If you don't know you have it or you can't find it, it's of no value. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. I have so enjoyed you and time always goes faster than, than any time. So we definitely have to have you back on, but I know that our podcast audience knows why you're here because you just bring, you bring it and you bring Barbara, but you don't just bring knowledge. You bring simple action, actionable ways to make life easier. I love when you said, does this help me accomplish my work or enjoy my life? 
period. Does it, if, it doesn't, if it doesn't, it's clutter and you can't afford it. Not if you're in business. Because there's a cost factor to it. Mm-hmm. That's right. Oh my goodness. I love it. I love, love, love it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Barbara, tell us again, if someone wants to get in touch with you, I'm telling all of the podcast audience that you must, must, must find a way to get in touch with Barbara. Because if you're married and in business, I can almost guarantee that you need some help in organization. Yes. Well, if you go to ProductiveEnvironmentScore.com, there's a scorecard. It'll take you less than five minutes to fill it out. And by the way, you should, each spouse should fill it out separately. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then submit it. It'll come to us. Put on it that you, that you heard me on this podcast so that we'll know that it's you. And, that, and you'll get with that, you'll get what we call a total office transformation blueprint, which is literally a picture of what the components of an organized office are. So you'll get that. And then you have the opportunity to sign up for a 30-minute discovery session where we will put a game plan together for you. So you will leave that 30 minutes with some specific things you can do. And then the offer of us saying, if you want some help, here's the way that we can help you. Yes. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. ProductiveEnvironmentScore.com. We had a, uh, a live viewer say, I love the topic. Systems are important to keep your business in order. Thank you, Jamie Jordan, for tuning in. And definitely, Barbara has told us that today. We have found it out today that, yes, it is important in keeping your business, your life in order. Because what she's talking about is not about just keeping business in order but having a productive life, living a productive life and being able to just enjoy whatever it is you need to enjoy and accomplish Mm -hmm. without the headache and the stress. Barbara, thank you so much for being here today for our More Than I Do podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, I I learned a lot and just know that some of these binders that I've been keeping for years, they're about to go to the dumpster. And my email that has a couple hundred in there, they're about to get cleaned out as well. Barbara, you're getting a thank you note. I'm just letting you know. You're getting a thank you note. You'll know because you're getting a thank you note for that. If you love this podcast show, we would love to hear from you on what nuggets and tips and actions you've taken from listening today. Go to our website at morethanido.life. That's www.morethanido.life. And this is, this is where you can tune into other shows that we have, as well as sign up so that you can know what's happening in the community. And if you are a couple in business, you can sign up to be on the show as well. More importantly, we want to make sure that you are following us and More Than I Do podcast on Facebook and LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Yep. And find our show on any platform that streams podcasts. Yeah, Spotify and all kinds of other ones. Thank you so much again, Barbara. You have a absolutely wonderful day. I've enjoyed it. We, we've been spending really the day together, Barbara, me and you. And so I've enjoyed it today. It's been me, a treat. And I thank too. you for letting me in on the fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's been my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. With that absolutely. said, more than I do podcast audience, have a wonderful, blessed day. We'll see you back next Thursday, same time, 7 p.m. Eastern live, mm-hmm. or catch us on the replay. We love you. Bye. Bye.
episode is sponsored by My Local CFO, helping you build stronger growth by connecting your financial picture to your operational goals. Follow them on Facebook and LinkedIn at My Local CFO or visit their website at www.mylocalcfo.com.